So I'm gonna, and I'm gonna give you what God placed in my heart for you, and I'm gonna, and, have, and it's gonna be accelerated and real fast. And I had like four Starbucks today, so it's, it's <laughs> work with me here. Um, so this is the message, and it's <sighs> Jezebel tweeted. Jezebel tweeted. In essence, her declaration in 1 Kings 19.2, today, in today's context, would be a tweet. In 24 hours, you will die. This is, I mean, what a declaration. Elijah is the prophet of his generation, one of the most iconic, legendary prophets ever. So much so that Jesus references Elijah's work. And Elijah, hashtag after having the best day ever. I mean, what a season. This guy would pray and God would answer Three years back, he prayed drought, drought, heaven shut up. And then he prayed for fire. He confronts the mucho malo hombres and fire. And then all of a sudden, he prays for rain, rain. Then he tells the king, get in your Maserati, get in your chariot, run down. And I don't care what he was wearing, Adidas, Nikes, whatever. But then he got there first, best day ever. And then Jezebel says, I swear by my God. So let me read verbatim. May the God strike me and kill me if in 24 hours, by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you as you killed them. She's referencing to her team. Her team, all of their life insurance policies kicked in simultaneously. <laughs> and she did, we're going to, Jezebel, against the most prophetic voice of that generation, she said, you will die. And I want to speak to you on the subject matter, Jezebel's tweet, the threat versus the testimony. And, and the subtext is this, when heaven starts it, hell cannot stop it. it. It's simple. Jezebel made a threat. Elijah carried a mantle. What you have here is you juxtapose as a dichotomy. On one side, we have the threat. On the other side, we have a testimony. And what God has placed upon you will always be greater than anything hell can place in front of you. And, and so it's the mantle. We are living in the same... I, I, I was interviewed a few weeks ago on the subject matter of spirit, the spiritual climate of America and the world for that matter. And they said, is there a biblical narrative? And I said, absolutely. We are living in the days, spiritually speaking, just like the days of Ahab, Jezebel, and Baal. And right now we have a church that has a mantle. The mantle is the anointing. The anointing in 1 John 2.27 is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. We have spiritual authority. We have to act like we have spiritual authority. We have to actually live out that spiritual authority. But right now, we see this incredible spiritual war. The battle right now is not what you think. We think it's primarily political. It's not. The battle is not primarily between the donkey and the elephant. The battle is between the serpent and the lamb. And that's the battle, Ephesians 6, 12. It's a spiritual battle with ramifications politically, culturally, socially, economically, and so many other aspects. But it's a spiritual battle. But it's about us. And my assignment here is to tell you about the mantle you carry. Yeah, I'm going to reference Jezebel's threat in our current context. But more importantly, I want you to know that what God has placed on you is greater than anything hell can place in front of you. And if you're in this conference, and for those of you streaming, the mantle that I'm referencing is the mantle of the Spirit. Repeat after me, say the mantle of the Spirit. Mantle of the Spirit. 
Let me give you some historical context here. So who was Ahab? Ahab was the king of, he was the king of Israel. He was a, what we call in California, mucho malo hombre. Um, and that's not speaking in tongues, it's California language. And, and, and the spirit of Ahab is alive and well today. It really is. It's robbing love, killing joy, destroying peace. Ahab represents forces of access and authority attempting to prompt us to sacrifice truth on the altar of political expediency. According to 1 Kings 16.34, Ahab was the first king that ever authorized the rebuilding of the walls of Jericho. Let me repeat that. No other king in history ever said the following. You see the walls that God knocked down via the conduit of Joshua and the Israelites? Rebuild them. No. Because they understood Joshua's declaration. Whoever would dare have the audacity to rebuild will be cursed and their children and their children's children will be cursed. But Ahab comes along and says, hey, hey, rebuild what God knocked down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, in other words that are politically correct in California, listen to me carefully. This idea of rebuilding the walls, some of the things we're seeing in Hawaii, in America, across the world in the past few two, three years, we are seeing things that the enemy's trying to resurrect walls that God already knocked down. Even on the issue of ethnic and racial strife, we thought we crossed that Jordan, we crossed that Rubicon. But all of a sudden, in the past two, three years, that's Ahab. They're trying to separate us by the color of our skin. Who does that in the 21st century? They're trying to make us check boxes so we identify primarily regarding pigmentation and so forth. Listen to me carefully. The answer to this is real simple. We, and you have it here at Inspire, we need to just tell the world. It begins with the church. So it begins with the church. We, 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 and I know this is like controversial, but I don't give a holy hoot. We, we need to tell the world there's no such thing as a white church, a black church, a brown church, a yellow church, a red church. There's only one church. There's only one church. The church of Jesus Christ and the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not, cannot prevail against her. We are the church. Oh, that spirit. Are there any questions there? That spirit. But Ahab was bad, but he was married to a wife, Jezebel, and she was nasty on steroids. The spirit of Jezebel is alive and well, persecuting, prosecuting, and attempting to silence the children of the cross. Wherever there's a legitimate prophetic voice, Jezebel will show up to silence the prophetic. Jezebel represents a manipulative, sexually coercive, perverse, corrupt cultural spirit with incredible intentionality to kill the prophetic voices, to construct Asherah poles in order to marginalize the oracles of righteousness and justice. Jezebel is alive and well. The new name for Jezebel is the cancel culture and wokeism. And that, those are just manifestations of Jezebel. Silencing. That's why we can't preach stuff on, because we get deplatformed, de but we're not supposed to. From Facebook and Instagram. Are we streaming now? Are we streaming? Great. So we get, we get, if we mention wrong keywords, the algorithm will pick up words and connect them. Even if they're biblically substantiated, even if we're doing it with love, it doesn't matter that Jezebelian spirit permeates social media platforms and beyond social media platforms. It is a spirit, Revelation 2.20, that says the following. This one thing I have against you. Now listen, in the last days, Revelation, New Testament, New Covenant. I love this. The angel of the Lord is explaining something, saying in the last days, there will be segments of the church 
guilty of tolerating Jezebel. I'll read it for you, Revelation 2.20. You guys do great things, great missions, great outreach, but this one thing I have against you, you have tolerated the spirit of Jezebel. Santo Dios Padre, perdónanos. Jezebel, and the spirit of Baal is alive and well. So it's Ahab, Jezebel, and Baal. These are the characters from 1 Kings 17, 18, 19. Baal is the god, the false god. A false god that demanded child sacrifice. A god that came, a false god that came after children via the conduit of violence. Baal is alive and well. No, listen to me. The fight right now, there's a spirit coming after our children and our children's children. What we need, and not only in Hawaii, but in all of America, we need a bunch of Elijahs and Elishas. You know what we really need? We need a bunch of Elijahs and Elishas to look at every manifestation of Baal, and we need to get full of righteous indignation and say, get your hands off our children. Don't touch our kids. Don't touch our kids. Don't touch our children or our children's children or our children's children's children. Stop. Get your hands off our kids. Stop sexualizing our children. Rebuke the, the every spirit of pedophilia emerging. We need to just permeate every school board and just Christian parents stand up. We... So I didn't come to you to talk to you about spirit of Ahab and Jezebel and Mayor. I really don't care what ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, I don't care what they dish out. Don't drink the Kool-Aid of what you read on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and, or what you're seeing on TikTok. And if you're over 40 and still on TikTok, repent. You're weird. You're weird. Stop that. Somebody just like, I'm deactivating my TikTok. <laughs> the most powerful spirit in this amazing chain of islands, the most powerful spirit in America today, the most powerful spirit in Asia, in Africa, in Latin America, in Europe, the most powerful spirit on the planet today. That's why let not your heart be troubled. Put a smile on your face. The most powerful spirit right now on the planet is not Jezebel, it's not Ahab, it's not Baal. The most powerful spirit on the planet is not the spirit of bigotry or racism or strife or discord or division. The most powerful, this is going to be weird, the most powerful spirit is not even the spirit of the Antichrist. The most powerful spirit on the planet is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. If you have that spirit, shout like you have that Praise like you have that spirit. Worship like you have that spirit. Pray like you have that spirit. Give like you love that spirit. Love like you have that spirit. Serve like you have that spirit. Prophesy like you have that spirit. And live like you have that spirit. For it is not by might nor by power, but by might. Zechariah 4, 6. We are empowered with the Holy Spirit. 
Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We are emancipated with that spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17. We are driven by that spirit. Galatians 5.16. Filled with that spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Anointed with that spirit. 1 John 2.27. We are defined by that spirit. Romans 8.11. The same spirit that raised Jesus. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. We are people of the Spirit. 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 We are. People of the spirit. We are... And, and Jordan and I were at a conference in Arizona, and I referenced this because. We lived it in California. I gotta be careful how I say this, and it's not the purpose of being not political. I'm just telling you what happened. So, oh, so my boy, get in trouble. The, the, like the governor of California in, during COVID, a lot of stuff happened, but he said something never, no other governor in American history ever stated previously. He, he, he literally, I mean, he made churches not essential, like boom. But we went beyond that. He literally, Google this, make sure I'm not making this up. He actually issued an executive decree where he said that, that in my home, I was not allowed to have, with my family, a worship service. No, per, no person. It was, it was so bad. I mean, no one ever did. It was so bad that the president of China went, yo, we don't even go that far. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it was, it, it, I mean, the guy really went, he said, and I'm, I'm, let me quote, let me go verbatim. He said, by executive decree, you, you, you are hereby forbidden from any of the following, singing, praising, worshiping, and chanting in your home with a group. The chanting part killed the Rodriguez's. <laughs> Everything else we don't need, we can live about, but we wake up in the morning together as a family and go, ah, that's what we do. Are we streaming, Pastor? Are we really streaming? <laughs> Cameraman, give me a tight shot. <laughs> With great due deference, and I'm not talking about the governor, bless his heart. Uh, he, here it is. I just want to remind everyone, there's not an executive order, a Supreme Court decision, an act of Congress, or any decree that will ever have the power to stop the Spirit of God from moving. You can't stop the Holy Spirit. You can't deplatform the Holy Spirit and you can't cancel the Holy Spirit. Why? In the last days, he, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We gotta hurry, we gotta hurry, we gotta hurry. It, it is number, that's number one, the mantle of the spirit if you're taking any notes and good luck with that. Number, number two, it is the mantle. We're juxtaposing the mantle with the threat. Number two, it's the mantle that's, that's on us. is the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. The mantle that Elijah carried, he carried it through the drought, the fire, and the rain. It wasn't just anything, man. It's authority. 1 Kings 17, 1. 1 Kings 18, 38. 1 Kings 18, 41. Drought, fire, and rain. Everybody repeat after me. Drought, fire, and rain. I don't want to be presumptuous here, so I'm going to ask. If you've been through at least one measurable drought in your life, 
be it relational, financial, physical, uh, whatever. If, if you've been through at least one drought, a moment where things weren't growing, if, if you've been through at least one drought in your life, lift up one hand, one hand. If you've been through at least two major moments of your life where, <laughs> raise both hands. If you've been through so many droughts that in, that in full disclosure, you've lost count, raise both hands in a foot. If you've been through so many droughts that if right now I go on my iPhone and I Google the word drought, the algorithm will automatically take me to your Instagram account. It's drought, fire. By the way, the pecking order, the chronological order is this, drought, fire, and rain. There are people that would love to go from drought to rain without going through the fire. We all have to go because the God of the process is the God of the outcome. You can't bypass the process. We all, we, if you want to get to the rain, you got to go through the fire. And the fire is not, the, is not your, because growing up in an evangelical Pentecostal church, Assembly of God, I grew up, and, and you know, you were, you were, the stuff that you heard was good stuff, but the fire, I grew up in a Latino church, and they would sing a song, Manda Fuego, Señor, which means nothing to you, but it actually says, send your fire. They got it from Andre Crouch, God bless him, beautiful. Lord, send your fire. But fire doesn't make you dance, dude. Fire makes you get on your knees and repent. Fire is a... The, the fire of God is a sanctifying fire, a purifying fire. It's a fire of holiness and righteousness. You know what the fire season is in your life? When God removes stuff from inside of you, and even on many occasions, he'll remove people from around you. So if you've been through your drought and you've been through your fire, if I were you, I'd put a smile on your face because the next thing coming your way I'm prophesying to somebody right now. You've been through your drought. You've been through your fire. Put a smile on your face. The, the next thing, the next thing, inspire. The next thing coming your way is nothing less than abundant. Somebody shout, here comes the rain. Upon you and your family, here comes the rain. Upon you and your children and your children's children, here comes the rain. That's, that's Ezekiel 34, 26. That's the promise of Acts after repentance, refreshing rain. And one little side note, those that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain. The drought will reveal you. The fire will refine you. The rain will refresh you. Number three, and we're going we're gonna to land this, and then we're going to, hmm. It is the mantle of speaking truth with love. So, here's Jezebel. We're, we're living in that spiritual climate, Jezebel, Ahab, and Baal. And then we have this prophet with the mantle. We don't have a piece of cloth. We have the anointing. That's the mantle. 1 John 2, 27. But what we carry is greater than all of these threats. It's the mantle of the Spirit, the mantle of drought, fire, and rain, but it's the mantle of speaking truth with love. That's what Elijah did, 1 Kings 18, 21. The man with the mantle confronts the people of Israel, including Ahab and Jezebel's praise and worship team. And they, and they go on top of Mount Carmel. You know the story. And, 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 and all I need to tell you about truth and love. little side note. If, if, if we as pastors, if all we do, with great due deference to all the pastors here and those that are streaming, if all we do is preach on love, only love, 
And we're a bunch of California hippies. On the other side of the coin, if all we do is talk truth without love, then we're mathematicians. The moment we speak truth in love, truth with love, and truth for love, we change the world of the power of the gospel of Jesus. Here it is. He gets there. He looks. All right, he says, here it is. 1 Kings 18, 21, one of the most tragic verses in all of the Bible. Elijah, wearing his mantle, confronts the mucho malo hombres and says the following. Let's do this. Tired of it all. I'm tired of everything you're doing, your ideology, your social construct. Done. Let's do this. People of Israel, whose God will you follow? Will you follow his God, her God, or will you follow the God of our fathers? Make a choice today. One of the saddest verses the Bible says, 1 Kings 18, 21, that God's people said nothing, which meant they refused to vote. Because we don't want to take sides. We don't want to post anything that's controversial. We, 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 we love the likes. We love the likes. We, we want to be like. You want to be like. I want to be like. We all want to be like. Like, 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 like. We love being validated. We all love the likes. Like, 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 like. We are not defined by the likes of many. We are defined by the love of one. People said nothing. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. You are what you tolerate. There are things that we are currently experiencing because we have the power to rebuke it, but instead we tolerate it. Number three, there is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. There isn't. Number four, truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political or cultural expediency. And number five, it's time for all of us to reconcile our eschatology or our missiology, which means the pushback is, oh, Pastor Sam, Pastor Mike, Pastor Jurgen, y'all, y'all got to stop talking about awakening and revival because Jesus is coming. And he's coming so soon, things are going to get dark. It doesn't matter what we do or what we say. He's coming. I do believe Jesus is coming. But while we are waiting for Jesus to come down, He's waiting for his church to stand up. And let me rock your theological world. He's not coming back for a whining church. He's not coming back for a defeated church. He's not coming back for a church in a fetal position or a church sucking her thumb. He's coming back for a glorious church, a victorious church, a powerful church, a mighty church. We got to speak the truth that God can make something out of nothing, Genesis 1-1. That only God can make a way where there is no way, Isaiah 43-19. That only God can restore the damage that can never happen, Luke 22-51. The truth about everything, and I mean do everything, about Jesus being the only way, John 14-6. About holy, righteous sexuality. The truth about biblically, biblically defined and scientifically validated gender. The truth about absolutely everything. This message is not a message that I wrote up like, no, I'm not else to do say, boom. I lived it. When I was 14, when I was 14 years of age, my parents are not preachers. My parents 
are, are Christians, and they raised me up in a Christian home, but, but not preachers. So I grew up as a, how can I explain this? So even though I grew up in church, I was like an agnostic. I only went to church because my mom made me. She obligated me. And it was simple. If I wanted to live, I'd go to church. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I measured the odds and said, I'm going to go there. Back in the day, we can't do that now. We'll traumatize kids in perpetuity. But So I, I was obligated to go to church. So 14, and I grew up as a nerd, so a math nerd. So I grew up with a strong affinity for mathematics. I, I wanted to be an IBM computer engineer. I went to Penn State, graduated from Lehigh University in America. I'm still a nerd. I may preach like Kirk, but I think like Spock. So... I'm, like every, I'm a, I'm a science and math geek. That's me. It's my. I still believe calculus is like the language of heaven. And for those of you that failed algebra, oh boy! <laughs> Thank God for grace. Anyway, the point is, woo! That's where hyper grace kicks in right there. So. So 14 years of age, right? I'm doubting everything. And I, especially, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and, and I saw stuff. I, and speaking in tongues, I went, that's not reasonable. That's not, that's like emotional, like exuberance. They're making it up. People getting slain. I would go, you gotta be kidding me. Like who would, like, what's this affinity towards a carpet? You follow what I'm saying? Like why? So all of that I doubted. Miracles, Elmer Gentry, snake oil salesman, they're probably tricking stuff. It's all of a sudden I'm 14 years of age in the Assembly of God Church in Pennsylvania where I'm from. And, and this guy walks in, never met the guy before. First time they were in our church, a guy, the Teen Challenge Choir from Reedersburg, Pennsylvania, David Wilkerson's ministry. And this guy comes, his name is Bernie Gallow, walks in, their first time in our church, he has the choir, and he starts singing, Holy, it's just the 80s now. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, thou art, and he stops midstream. Midstream, he goes, Holy Spirit. The Lord says, there's a Samuel, Samuel, a Samuel, a young Samuel. There's a Sammy in this church. By the way, if you ever go to a Latino church and you want to prophesy and not miss it, say, there's a word for Jose or Maria. <laughs> right? Because you can't miss. You can't miss. God has a word for Jose. Are there any Jose's? You can't miss. I'm just being honest. That's the way you grow. <laughs> this guy says, Sammy, I'm the only Sammy. The only one Sammy was my dad. And he even said, There's a, it's a young Sammy. That's me, only me. So the church, being a Latino church, you know, real, real introverted, real quiet. Um, <laughs> pretty racist, your response right now, by the way. <laughs> but true. <laughs> so they, they, they went, ay, tal muchacho. So... <laughs> My pastor Lugo, Luis Felipe Lugo, he comes along and he says, Sammy, this is for you, come here. So, so I'm serious, I mean, I'm walking up and I'm going like, oh snap, if this stuff is for real. Like, I'm going like, what's going on, right? Like, they're, they're calling me out. So I'm going out like, oh man, if that rapture stuff that God preaches about is legit, <laughs> come Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> Maranatha all day long here. I'm walking up, the guy looks at me and stops me. He says, oh, you're a young boy, you're Sammy. I don't see, you, you're just still a young boy. I hit puberty late. You're still a young boy. I was 19. You're still a young boy. Don't judge me. I, so he looks at me. So, so help me. He looks at me. And we had witnesses. The church is there. He, and, he, and he says, the Lord said, and everything I'm doing. 
I mean everything. And I mean everything I'm doing. And then he wraps up by saying, oh, wait, the Lord says you will be praying for president of the United States of America. Dude, you don't give that word to a 14-year-old kid. And I'm going like, what? who says this? There was a young girl seated right about here. A couple of years older than yours, truly, right about here. She heard that message, and I'm pretty sure she said, if that's true, I'm going to hold on for that boy to grow up and marry him. That's the girl seated right there, right there. That's her. She was there. Lesson learned. If you're single and God gives another single. And that's how I got to the White House. George W. Bush brought me in as an advisor. I was brought, that's, it, that's it. I, I never knocked on a door. I never knocked on any door. I never asked. I want to be the God just. George W. Bush brought me in. I advised him for four years. And then President Obama brought me in for eight years. And then President Trump brought me in. Um, notice I have the Trump haircut. <laughs> that's how I got there. And so in 2008, when President Obama, and, and, and I do, if you were asking, who did he vote for? Well, I have a biblical rubric, so I didn't have to vote for a person to serve them. And I will never sacrifice because I need to go to sleep at night and the anointing is sacred and holy and my principles are sacred and holy. But they brought me in and I knew it was God already an assignment. So they, when, when President Obama, when he got elected in 2008, they invited me to speak in the, in the inauguration prayer service, the private one at St. John's Episcopal Church. So it was the first time anybody of my tribe was brought in. So I said, yeah, let's do it. I, myself, T.T. Jake, Shalanda Adams, Charles Blake, and Rick Warren. But it was a private ceremony. That was 2008. And then I served them for eight years, and then President Trump gets elected. And it's 2016. It was right after the election. And I get a call. My wife and I are driving in San, from San Francisco from a, a Puerto Rican restaurant in San Rafael to Sacramento. Good food, by the way. Yeah, great stuff. Mofongo, criollo, which camarones. It's just so good. Anyway, that's a different story right for the other day. So we're driving, and, and, and I'm driving down, and all of a sudden, there's an you know, unknown number on the Bluetooth. She, she witnessed all of this. Blue, unknown number, which I usually ignore because I think it's the IRS. So I, I don't pick it up, and I'm definitely going to ignore them now. They're all armed, so I'm not definitely going to pick up now. 87,000. God bless them. Um, um, so, I, you know, unknown number, and, and the Holy Spirit said, pick it up. And I'm th I go, bloop, and this voice comes on the other side. We're looking for Reverend Rodriguez. I definitely thought it was the IRS after that. I go, speaking, you're, you know, speaking, we're calling you from the Senate Inaugural Committee, the President's Transition Team. And I go, how may I help you? Reverend Rodriguez, uh, the President-elect would like you to participate in his inauguration. So I'm looking at my wife, making sure it's not my cousin Paco from the Bronx, right? <laughs> we all have a cousin Paco. No, wrong crowd, sorry. <laughs> so, so I, I'm, I want to make sure it's like straight up. And the guy, you know, legitimizes, you know, I'm going, this must be legit. And he goes, so, you know, here it is. And I go, oh, wow. First of all, tell the president I'm so humbled and honored by this. Amazing. Um, um, what would he like me to do? And he goes, we would like you to participate in the inauguration. And I said, wow. Um, what would you like me to do? The guy says, participate. See, but I've been there before. I wanted to know if it was this little stage or the big stage. And what do you, so I go, do you want me to pray? He goes, sure. <laughs> Would you like me to read scripture? He goes, why not? <laughs> As a preacher, the next thing in my mind, would you like me to raise the offering? 
<laughs> but I did it. I did it. Integrity time. That never happened. There it is. He goes, well, I, you know, email address. He goes, you know, DOJ, Department of Justice. We, we got to go, go through a process. I've been through that already. But you got to go through a rigorous, crazy stuff. You get sequestered for a day before and all. So I went like, yeah. And then, and then I go, can I ask you for one thing? He goes, sure. Can, 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 can you give me some time to pray about this? Just awkward silence. My wife was there. He goes, you need time to pray about this? Because he, he has explained, I'm going to be speaking on the big stage in front of over a billion people watching around the world. So he goes, you're going to pray about it? I go, yes, sir. He goes, silence. He goes, how much time do you need? And I go, three weeks? The guy goes, you need three weeks to pray about this? I go, yes, sir. Silence. Awkward silence. And all of a sudden, I guess I'll call you back in three weeks. I went, thank you, sir. He went, no, thank you. Beep. The reason, and my wife wasn't even looking at me now. The reason is because my, our church in California is, is very multi-ethnically diverse. It's 40% Caucasian, which is fancy for white. Forty percent African American, which is black. Twenty percent Asian, Latino, and Native Americans. Seriously, I pastor the most beautiful, diverse church on the planet. I love it. I'm thinking if I do this, I'm going to lose a big portion of my church, and that's why I hesitated. My wife rebuked me. She said I was. She goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "Praying." She goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "Praying." She goes, "What are you doing?" I go, "Praying." She goes, mm. "She goes for what?" I go, "Didn't you just hear this?" She goes, "No." She goes, "No, I was there." I go, where? She goes, when you were 14 years old and God said you were going to pray over presidents of the United States of America. You don't need to pray for God to confirm it. You need to pray for the Holy Spirit to tell you what to say. Put the inaugural picture up. Let me land this right here. Watch this. I was seated back here. So you see the Trumps here, the Bidens are over there, the Obamas are here, the Clintons are here, and I was seated, I was hiding behind the bushes. I'm not making that up. YouTube it. I'm seated behind George W. Bush. So I'm I'm the, the bushes. Mr. and Mrs. Bush. Forty-eight hours before, a reporter of a super famous magazine whose name you recognize. She was a friend. She looked at me and said, Sam, don't do this. This is the whole Elijah moment of Mount Carmel. She went, don't do it. Tell me you're not going to do it. If you do it, Sam, you're one of the few people with the blessing to be both on CNN and Fox News. You wrote a book called The Lamb's Agenda, and both sides like you. Don't, if you do this, and I went, but I did it for the other guy, for Obama. I go, why can't I do it here? She went, because it's a different era, it's a different season, it's a different. And I went, listen, I'm doing this. You weren't there. God gave me a word. I'm doing this. And then, and then, then she said, and she was a friend. And it, she said, Sam, please tell me you're not going to say the name. Come on. And I went, what? Come she on. went, Sam, for 11 years, going on year number 12, there was an unwritten rule that the name wouldn't be mentioned. Wow. So if you go back on YouTube, historically, for close to 12 years, for that ceremony, a certain name wasn't mentioned. 
She said, if you're going to pray, make sure you use the word love or hope or faith. If you have to, worst case scenario, then say God, but avoid the name. Because if you mention the name, it'll alienate everyone who doesn't believe in the name. So don't say the name, Sam. Don't say the name. Matter of fact, I got offers. If I wouldn't say the name, doors would open up for me in Hollywood. I produced films in Hollywood, not back then. But I would, things were opening up. There was thing, MTV was interviewing our family. We were getting involved in a bunch of production stuff in the industry. And there were things like, Sam, if you don't go fundamentalist on us, if you don't go freak on us, doors are going to open up. You become more eclectic. You become more embracing. Don't say the name. Don't say the name. So all of a sudden, I came up. I'm coming up. And the first guy that spoke was the cardinal. The guy behind me, he spoke. He didn't mention the name. It's been 12 years now, 11 years going on 12. So it's my turn, and I'm coming up. So I go up, and I read from Matthew, and I read it, and Matthew 5, and, and just read it and kind of prayed it and prophesied it all in one. And then all of a sudden, I had an opportunity to just, just step back, and the Holy Spirit just, the mantle, the mantle, and the Holy Spirit right there. Congress is here, the Supreme Court, crowd, over one billion people watching on BBC, CNN, Al Jazeera, different networks around the world, Christian nations, secular nations, Muslim nations, all watching live. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, Sam, do it. Do it. Do it, Sam. Do it, Sam. Do it, Sam. So I looked at the cameras, looked at everyone and said, yes. I make this declaration, this prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I, please YouTube it, YouTube it. The presidents behind me said, Amen. The members of Congress, you can hear them shouting, Amen. The crowd exploded and said, Oh, wow, Amen. All over the world, my friends text me, Sam, you're crazy. They couldn't censor you. There are nations that heard Jesus mentioned for the. Why did everyone respond like that? Why? Believe it or not, there is still power in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout like you know it. Pray like you know it. There is power in the name. Stand with me. You are standing. Lift up your hands. It's the mantle. That will empower us. Oh. And Jezebel attempting to cancel all vestiges of biblical orthodoxy and Christianity. And it's Baal coming off to our children and our children's children. Confusing them, attempting to redefine them, to do, to do away with God-ordained development and destiny and definitions and, and heavenly designations and declarations. It's Ahab attempting to reconstruct stuff that God already dealt with. I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's just for this conference right here, the following, we're about to see in this amazing 
chain of islands, we're about to see a generations of Elijahs and Elijah rise up like they haven't seen before. I don't know if you understand this. Hawaii, get ready! I said, Hawaii, get ready! Hawaii, get ready! There is a mantle of anointing descending upon you this hour! With your hands raised, let me pray over you. Let me pray over you right now. Just pass the baton over to the pastor. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, right now we activate this mantle, the mantle of the Spirit, the mantle of a greater portion anointing, 1 John 2, 27. The mantle of drought, fire, and rain. It's the Matthew 3, 11 fire. It's the rain promised in the book of Acts, affirmed in Ezekiel 34, 26, described explicitly in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Release that rain. It is the mantle of truth and love. Psalm 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Truth and love lead the way as attendants. This generation will change the world. So Lord, we declare in Jesus' name, that Jezebel, Ahab, and Baal will not have control. There's a prophetic anointing descending as we speak, and the prophetic will silence all vestiges of the pathetic by the authority of the name of Jesus. If you receive this mantle, raise one hand. If you receive it now for your children and your children's children, raise both hands. If you truly believe we're about to experience a move of God like we've never seen before. Here's what I want you to do. This is going to be really awkward and it may cancel my invitation for tomorrow. Y'all do me a favor right now. Can, if you can, if you're physically able to, if you cannot, no worries. Do it in your mind. If you can right now, can you just go like this and squat for a moment like this? When I count to three, I just saw a prophetic church rising up in Hawaii. The enemy has attempted to stifle us, hold us down, cripple us, put us down, lock us down, shut us down. Inspire, we are about to emerge like the world has never seen us before. We're never gonna be held back ever, ever, ever again. At the count of three, I want you to jump up. When I say Jesus, I, I don't want you to casually come up. I want you to jump up like every attempt of the enemy fails today forevermore. Not just, by the way, by the time you get home, wherever there was darkness, there will be light. Wherever there was bondage, there will be freedom. I need you to get ready. Your prodigal sons and daughters and brothers and sisters are coming back home. Ready. One, two, three, Jesus.